Good morning, good morning. I am so excited for this new series. As we begin this morning in our, in our new series, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. And uh, we're going to be reading from, starting at verse 46. Verse 46, this is Mary's Song of Praise, often known as the Magnificat. And uh, because I am not a teenage girl, as Mary was, surprise, (laughs) I just thought it would only be proper to have somebody who actually resembles more the writer of this passage read this. So as you turn there this morning, would you give your attention to what the Lord has given us to read this morning as Sarah reads it for us. Go ahead now. Thank you. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped to serve in Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Amen, amen. Would you bow in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, as we go before your word this morning, I would just ask that you would open the ears and the hearts of each person gathered here. As we begin this season of Advent, as we prepare in this season which celebrates and remembers your coming, that our hearts would also anticipate during this time the second advent, your return, that glorious day in which we place our hope, when you will return, where you will establish your earthly kingdom, where you will make all things new, Lord, that's, that's what we ask for. Lord, as we gather here this morning, there's so many things that we come in uh, to this Sunday with. We come in with what we've carried through the week. We come in with what we have after this time. We, we have uh, all of the added stresses and anxieties uh, that the world has created in this season. And Lord, we don't want to miss what you want to do in this time right now. So Lord, uh, give us attention in our hearts and minds to you, to your word. Speak through me uh, because I can't do this on my own. It's of your work and your will. And allow us to put into practice what we hear today so that our Sunday informs our Monday and that we are different because we were here. We ask this all in your powerful name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're entering this season. Actually, we've been in this season for a long time. I mean, today starts Advent. It starts the Christmas season. But there's this season that we've been in for quite some time. It's called Hallow Thankmas, if you haven't heard of it. Um, This is a season that we seem to be what, you never heard of Halothacmas? You don't celebrate this at your house? 
this is, this, I, I, I came across this a couple years ago, this idea of hell of thankfulness, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it seems like, right? I mean, goodness gracious, the, the Halloween decorations are next to the Christmas decorations, and we, we throw Thanksgiving in the middle just so we can eat enough to feel guilty until Christmas. I mean, it's, it's this strange season. It seems, like, uh, it seems like it's all blending together, and as Christians, it's difficult, right? It's difficult because we can get caught up in this world. And yet we're actually called as Christians to be formed by a different calendar, a different world, a different lifestyle, a place where we actually hold fast to this season because it's not just blurred into one big season, you know, holiday after holiday. No, this is a special time. But even amidst halothankmas, there is a, there's a shift that happens in culture, even in the stores, that lets us know it's the Christmas season for the world. And that's the playing of Christmas music over the intercoms at the stores and other places like that. So this morning, just as a quick poll, who of you are really, really hard and fast? We do not listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. All right. All right. There's a few saved people in the room today. And then, <laughs> and then for the rest of us, you uh, go ahead and raise your hands if you will listen to Christmas music in July, because it's Christmas in July. Oh my goodness, look at that. Look at that. So we have, we have a half, you know, I think, I think the ones that are after Thanksgiving win the, win the, the uh, contest this morning. But the songs, these songs actually have a signal to us. Even in, even in the uh, stores, there's a signal that Christmas is coming. It indicates that Christmas is here, and I, for one, cannot wait. The moment it's, I wake up on Friday after Thanksgiving, I'm playing Christmas carols, and I'm singing them, and, and I know Chuck does that because he's playing them all the time as he's working around the church. I just love the Christmas songs. I love singing the carols this morning. And so this, this uh, series that we're in this morning is called Songs of Christmas, Songs of Christmas. It's based upon an awesome book. One of the main sources I use for this series is a book by uh, Alistair Begg, if you've ever heard of him, called Christmas Playlist. It's just a short book that he wrote about these songs. And it's one of the uh, sources I've used for this. And it's a great, it's a great book. It's a great idea. And we're going to be digging into it. These songs that we're going to listen to aren't the songs that we hear in the store, though. These songs that we're going to look at aren't the songs that have been sentimentalized after many years of Christmas. These are the songs that actually happened the first Christmas. These are the songs that were sung before, during, and after the birth of a Savior. These are the songs for the one that gives us a reason to sing. And they tell us things about God. They help form our hearts to understand who God is. And today, with Mary's song, the song that Sarah read, we're actually going to hear a song sang before Christ's birth. But it's a Christmas song. It's a very good Christmas song. And it's a song not about Mary, but it's a song about God himself. And this song actually answers a question. The song answers the question, what is God like? That's what we're trying to look at this morning. What is the question? The question is, what is God like? And it's very important. If you're here this morning, this is a very crucial question to answer. What is God like? In fact, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite theologians, says this. When it comes to what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
That's what he says, and I agree with him. He says, no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Even worship, what we just did as we, as we sang, as we raised our hands, as we cried out to him, even worship is pure or empty depending on how the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts about God. Seems rather obvious, right? But it's true. What, what's in your mind, what you think God is like and how you think he is and his, his character forms your worship. If he's, the, if he's the God that you believe can do anything, then your worship is to respond in that way. And if your worship isn't adding up to your mind about God, then there's something wrong with either your, how you think God is like or how you're worshiping. That's a sermon for a different day. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. It's an important question. What is God like And so we're going to look at this as we look at Mary's song, the question, what is God like? What does Mary's song tell us about what is God like? And so the scripture passage starts out this way. Mary sings this song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary says, what is God like? He, he's a God that looks on me. It's a God that looks on me. He's looking on my humble estate. Some of your translations, the NIV translation, in fact, says he's mindful of me. It, it gives us a little bit of like a glimpse to Psalm 8 where the psalmist writes, who are we that you would be mindful of us, O God? He's mindful of me. And this this idea of him being mindful, this idea of him being looking on us, both are actually caught up in the Greek word here. And, And what basically Mary is saying is that God is somebody that looks on individuals and he looks on the world and he's mindful of them. They're in his mind, they're in his heart, and he as he's looking on them, he's looking at them with intention and attention. And he's active in their lives. He's a mindful God. He looks on me, and he looked upon me, Mary says, and I'm singing and rejoicing because he looked on me, and because of this, everyone's going to find me blessed because I believe in a God that actually sees me, that actually knows me, that moved on my life in my humble estate. He has seen it that I would receive a child. It's an amazing story. We know this story, but let's not forget it, you know? Mary betrothed to Joseph, The angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. He's not going to be conceived from man. No, the Holy Spirit is going to conceive this child inside of you. And then she runs and goes to her cousin Elizabeth. You know this, right? And then she walks in the door. Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come, who's also pregnant. The baby, John the Baptist, inside her leaps. One of the things I came across this week that I thought was interesting is the first human being that recognized the Savior of the world on the earth was an unborn baby. Let's not lose sight of that. Another story for another time. Sermon for another time. But it'd be a good one. He leaps, and then Elizabeth says that she's blessed, and then she just prophetically just sings this song. She says, for he who is mighty has great, done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
Mary's saying, I worship a God who sees me. I may be little in the world's eyes, but the one who created the world is mindful of me. That's what God's like. He is mindful of me. And so we know, what is God like? He's a mindful God. He looks on individuals and he says, I see you, I know you, I relish you knowing me, and I want to bless you. This is the God that we worship. But Mary recognizes also in this song that he's not just mindful of her alone. He's not just mindful of the individual. Yes, God is mindful of you. I want you to know that. God looks at you. He looks at you with intention. He looks with you with attention. He wants to bless you. He wants you to know him. He wants to be intimate, a part of your life. But he also remembers when he's mindful, when he looks at the world, he's mindful of all people. Later on in her song, she says this. It's verse 50. Verse 50. And his mercy, this mindful God, is for those who fear him from generation to generation. See, God looked at me with mercy, but his mercy is for all who fear him from generation to generation. And then in verse 54, she says this, and he has helped his servant Israel. See, he's not just mindful of me, he's mindful of a nation. He's helped his people Israel, and not only that, In remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This this, uh, section I have highlighted here, remembrance of his mercy. This word remembrance is the same word. It's all the way back in the first verse where she says looked upon. God is mindful. God remembers. God not only is mindful of you, not only does he see you, not only when you feel small, does the God who created everything see you, know you, want to be with you, but he remembers his promises to a whole nation. Now we have to do a little biblical history to understand what Mary's saying because Mary is figuring out as she's pregnant with this child, as the angels have come to her saying that there's going to be a Messiah born and it's going to be in her, he's in her womb and he's going to change everything. She's recognizing not only is God looking at me, not only does he see me, but God remembers his entire plan and it's about to happen through me. Because he is mindful of the promises he's made and we worship a God that keeps his promises. And he remembers his mercy as he spoke to the fathers. Those of us that know the Bible know this, right? In Genesis chapter 12, there's this guy named Abraham and he's a nobody, but God's mindful of him and he calls him out of Ur. He calls him out of the the fertile crescent in this area that's near the Tigris and the Euphrates, and he says, I want you to step out in faith for me. I want you to do something no one ever did. I want you to leave your family, leave everything you have, and follow what I'm calling you to do. I want you to step out in faith, and this is the promise I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, what is God like? God is mindful. Not only is he mindful of the individual, not only is he mindful of Mary, not only did he see her, but God is remembering in his mindfulness that he has made a promise that through Abraham, all the world would be blessed. This is who God we worship. What is God like? He's a God who wants to bless the entire world. And Mary recognizes in this song that this baby that's in her womb is about to do that. And it's an amazing thing. 
And not only that, but as the generations went on, and after Abraham, Israel came to be, and they dishonored God. He had given them the promised land, but they walked away in disobedience. And even as they're under exile, even as they've, they're, they're, uh, they're suffering the consequences of not following him, God still is mindful. God is a God who still keeps his promises. And the mercy that he remembers for his nations, he tells them through the prophet Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. I so badly want to sing this like Handel's Messiah, but I'm not going to. Uh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase his government and, and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for this time forth and forevermore. Mary's in the middle of this early pregnancy. She just met Elizabeth and she's singing out to God. What is God like? My God is a God who looks at me, but my God is a God who's going to do something through me that's going to bless the entire world because he remembers this is his promise. This is who he is. This is what he does. He told a prophet, he told a prophet, I'm going to do it through a baby, and guess what? He's in me. Do you see this? This isn't just a song we read at Christmas. This isn't just a song that we, we read over, and we're like, oh, isn't that nice? No, this is a declaration of who God is. What is God like? God is a God who looks on us with intention and intention, and he is an intimate God. 2,000 years before he came, this even happened, God was at work through Abraham. And you see, God's intimate. He doesn't work in isolation. He doesn't step away from us. No, God is mindful. He's mindful of you. He wants to be part of your life. And this is a problem for us. Whether we want to admit it or not, this is a problem for us because in our culture, in our country, we believe that the greatness of somebody is defined by the separation they have from people. Am I right? If you're rich, you're untouchable. If you're a president, you're surrounded with guards. And no matter the higher your status, the less that you're actively involved in the life of the everyday people. And so we, if we're not careful, we begin to see our mindful God as a God who is far off, a God, maybe we see him as all-powerful, maybe we see him as deacian, we see, we see, okay, there is a God, I believe in a higher power, but he doesn't have a personal part of my life. That's not what Mary's saying God is. God is mindful. He looks upon her in her lowly estate and he remembers what he promised to his people and he's gonna do something. He's gonna do something so intimate, so personal, that he's actually gonna send his son to earth as a man to walk alongside them. Let's not let that not blow our mind this morning. That's who our God is. Listen, if you're here this morning and you have a struggle with believing in God, because you've seen God throughout your entire life as this isolating God, as this distant God, as this uncaring God, as this unhelping God, who's distant, who's created this, this mess on earth and just lets it go, and he doesn't really care or step into what happened. If that's the God that you know, and that's the God that you don't believe in, guess what? Either do I. I don't believe in him either. 
Because that's not the God that Mary is singing about this morning. Who are we, Lord, as the psalmist said, that you would be mindful of us? God says, that's who I am. I want to know you, and I want to be known by you. But Mary's not just saying God's mindful. God is also mighty. She's very clear about that. That is who our God. What's God like? He's mindful, but he's also mighty. It's stated clearly in this passage, verse 49. She says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. And in verse 51, she says this, he has shown strength with his arm. This is a very common phrase in the Near East and in the Jewish world to say the strength of the right arm. We see that in scripture a lot. God is a mighty God. He is somebody who is active. And and what is he gonna do with his might? What does he do with his power? What do we know that God is like? He does something differently than what we would think because when we think of power and we think of might, we may think of something else, but this is what God does he scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts that's what she says he did she said our mighty God has brought down the mighty from their thrones she said not only is this our God mighty what does he do the rich those who have everything he has sent away empty that's what our mighty God has done and we may pull back and say, well, this doesn't make any sense. What kind of God is this? What's God like? He's mighty, but he's not the kind of might, not the kind of might that searches for power, not the kind of might that searches for, for more and more things to be prideful, not the kind of power that actually wants more and more riches. No, our God is a God, according to Mary, what she's singing out, that through this baby that's about to be born, God is going to flip everything upside down, and in his might, he is going to destroy those who are prideful. He's going to destroy those who are powerful. He's going to destroy those who are rich in his might. And we may think he's doing it vindictively, but folks, I don't believe he is. I believe God is mighty and he does all of this for a purpose. And it's because he's mindful. It's because he wants our hearts and he knows that these are the things that will move our hearts the furthest away from him. The more that we seek after pride, the more that we seek after power, the more we seek after wealth, it's easier to imagine our life without him. It's so easy. And so we have a mighty God who wants us. And folks, listen, this is the thing. All of this involves individuals, but it also involves nations. It's very careful, it's very clear in God's scripture that this, and it's difficult for us, 2018, almost 2019, living in what the scripture would call an empire and not be formed after the things that are in bold there. It's very difficult for us not during the Christmas season that has been so commercialized to choose to take this season as a time where we can have more and more things that take us away from seeking him first. And here's the scary thing about empires. Here's the scary thing about empires is that we can seek after more power, more nuclear weapons. We can believe that we are the best thing for this world. And before you know it, we become an empire without God. History's very true about that. And what Mary says is that our God, the God that I'm finding in this song, the God that I'm singing about, the God that's about to be birthed through me is one that wants to flip that all upside down because he wants people to seek him first. And guess what? In Christmas time, 
In 2018, it's so easy to seek the other things first. But she says, this is who actually gets the benefits. Going back to the song again, verse 48, she says this, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And in the next verse, in verse 52, she says, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. You see, this upside down mighty God wants to destroy all of the things that would take our hearts and he wants us, if we are humble, we will actually receive the fruits of who he is. What is God like? God is a God that seeks after us. God is a God who seeks after the humble. Not only that, but he also is one who gives mercy to those who fear him. If you have a reverence, if you have an awe for him, if you look at the God and you say, I want to seek you first, I want to seek you with all of my heart, I want all of my life to be directed toward you, you will have the mercy of God. And she also says that he has filled the hungry with good things. Folks, can I just say to you that if you want to know what God's like in in Christmas season this year, if you want to allow yourself to come to know him better as this intentional, attentional God, this mindful God who wants more of you, if you want to see his might work in your life, may I suggest to you, rather than seek more things under the tree, seek him on your knees to become humble, to fear him with all of your heart, to find yourself in a place where you are hungry for the things of him rather than the things that you can amass to your own self. That's what we need to do if we want to know what God is like. And I actually think it's harder to do that every single year. But if you and I sing a song of Christmas and we know the Lord the way that Mary does, if we see him as both mindful and mighty, and we see him in a way in which those realities permeate every part of our being, then we're not losing out on anything. In fact, we're singing a song of rejoicing. My, the Lord magnifies, how does she say it? My soul magnifies the Lord. That's where we get when we're mindful of him. That's where we get where in our mindfulness of him, we, be, we seek him in a humble way. And when we, we see his might, when we see his might, we see his power and the way that he flips over all of the things that this world says we should seek after, our fear for him, which isn't, terrified fear, it's an awe of him. Our fear for him grows. Not only that, but we begin to seek him with all of our heart and all that we are. That's the God that we want to see this Christmas if we want to rejoice in him and who he is. So God is mindful and he is mighty. So as you're mindful this year, as you're mindful this Christmas, I have to ask you, do you see God as a God who is intentional, whose attention's on you, who sees you who looks on you in your humble estate and wants to know you better? Or do you believe he's a far-off God? A God who doesn't care for you? Are you attending to him that way? Do you think he's absent? Is there a place in your life where you're fearful and you feel like God isn't there? Can I just tell you, that's not the God who Mary's singing about. He wants you to be mindful of him because he knows where you are right now. Not only that, but he's a God who keeps his promises. That's what Mary says. All the way back in the very beginning of scripture, all the way back, all of these pages, we find Genesis 12 where he says that the whole world's gonna be blessed 
And then we read all of these stories, all of these failures, all of these prophecies, and we get to the place where there's a peasant girl in a town called Nazareth that you and I would never have even heard of had it not been for what God did through her. And he said, through this baby, I'm about to change the world. That's the God who wants you to be mindful of him this Christmas. My favorite Christmas carol, O Holy Night, puts it this way. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. If your soul doesn't feel its worth this morning, may I suggest that you don't know a God who's like this. But he carries on, he says, the king of kings lay there in lowly manger. In all our trials, he's born to be our friends. He knows our need, our weakness is no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. That is what God is like. And not only that, but he is mighty. He's mighty, and may I just suggest that this Christmas, you're gonna be tempted to seek after all the things that God flips upside down with his might. Pride, power, status, riches. And that's not who God is like, that's not what God is like. In fact, he has so much more to offer you. At the time of year where we're obsessed with more, God wants us to seek more of him because his mighty hand will destroy anything that takes your heart away from him. Also, O Holy Night, it says this, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains he shall break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. With all our hearts we praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Ever, ever we praise him. His power and his glory evermore we proclaim. That's a mighty God. That's a mighty God who breaks every chain who sets up all oppression, and when he sees people being oppressed because of power, because of pride, because of riches, he flips it over. And folks, why do we want to be part of that kingdom? When we can be part of a kingdom of God that says he's going to break every chain, and we're going to be able to sing sweet hymns of joy and chorus, raise our hearts and our minds and our voices to him, because he alone in all of his might is going to be the place where we are filled. What's God like? He's mindful of you. He loves you. He wants to know you. What God's like, he's mighty. In fact, he's gonna flip his, he's gonna use his power to do one thing, to destroy all of the things of this world and all of the things in your own heart because of his great holiness and love for you so that you will find only one thing to do. Get on your knees and worship him as the only Lord of your life. And Mary says, he's gonna do that through a baby. And we know the rest of the story. He did. He wants to do it in you this Christmas. So sing this song to him and see what he does over these next four weeks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for your coming. The song that you gave Mary that points us to you, to know you, 
to know you as a Lord who, who sees us, who knows us. For those of us that may seem like we're, feel like we're small in the eyes of the world, we know that we are not small at all in the eyes of the one who made the world. And we are so thankful of that, Lord, that you're a God who wants to know us, a God who's so intimately in love with your people, with your creation, that you came to earth to save it. We're so thankful that you're a God who remembers the promises you've made and you're a God who keeps them. And that we have a manger to look on and a cross to look on that speak in ways that words can't even, can't even express that that's who you are. Lord, we also thank you for being mighty. We praise you for your might and your power. We praise you that for those of us that feel like we have been wrong, for those of us that feel like this world is not right, that we believe that your power is going to flip all of the things of man upside down, and when the things of God move in, chains are broken, oppression ceases, sin is dead forever, and so is death itself. And if we would just get on our knees and worship you with fear, if we would just get on our knees and worship you with humility, Father, if we would just see you for who you are this morning, that our, sought, our seeking after those things that are not of you would dissipate and our joy would increase. Lord, let us seek you this Christmas with all that we are, that we would be filled with joy, the joy of your son Jesus and his birth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.